back again. <laughs> so my name is Marilyn Ameriquin. And I'm Leo Padilla Chuafe. And you're listening to On Her Element. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, we're super excited to have you guys back with us uh, for episode three of season two. Uh, this is pre-recorded again. Um, but we wanted just to take a quick moment and thank all of our listeners as recording. We have over a hundred downloads and wild. Um, <laughs> so wild. <laughs> My favorite part is I love seeing on Wednesdays when our podcast goes out and seeing like all of like, like it just starts dinging up. It's really cool. Mm-hmm. I like looking at the map because like there's also like I know where some people live, like my friends. So I'm always checking like, oh, did like, shout out to Erin in Italy. Like, does she listen today or something, you know? So I just like looking and see like where everyone has viewed. It's pretty, I don't know. It's just really cool to know that like people are like listening to us and we have friends who love us and support us and just people just want to hear two women talk. Yeah. For like a couple hours. I mean- and honestly, I feel honored. <laughs> I feel honored that you want to listen to us chat. I know. (laughs) So today's show is going to be a little bit different. Uh, Leo Mm -hmm. tell us what we're going to be talking about. So we are going to be talking about us and the church. And I think that's going to be a really interesting conversation to tackle because um, we are both practicing Catholics and our faith means a lot to us. Um, but we've also kind of encountered like adversity in the church. A lot of it is related to culture and race. Um, like, unfortunately in the sense of like, it sucks that that is the case. Um, but kind of like, once again, as we like talked about, like in the race episode, this is going to be like our honest personal opinion of things that we experience. It's not once again, Not every person of color feels this way and people have their own various different experiences, but we really want to talk about how us being the church has affected us, has affected the way we practice and the things that we have countered that we didn't like, because um, I think it's something that's really important to talk about, especially in this time of people like, especially in in this like hostile time that we're living in. I'm just going to say that, especially in the hostile time that we're living in a lot of people feel out in a lot of ways. And I think for me personally, it's really important to talk about these things within the church as well, because sometimes we give the church, I'm going to say like too much grace in the sense of like, I think sometimes we're taught to be like, the church is right in everything. And what I'm going to say about that is not the teaching. I think the people, right. We're taught to like, just be like, oh, they say this, it's fine, they're right, you're wrong, whatever. But our experience in the church is very valid. And once again, we're talking especially in the context of the Catholic Church in America, once again. So that's going to be vastly, that's going to be different if you're, let's say, a practicing Catholic in Europe or in Latin America or in Africa or in Asia, right? But we're going to be talking about our own experience in the church and how that's affected us. And I think that's super important to talk about that because that is a real thing that not enough people in their church are realizing. Mm-hmm. I think they have secular conversations and those are great and those are important. But I think as people, as faith, as Christians, I'm going to say just the whole Christian market, as Christians, we need to talk about 
the issues that we have in our church when it comes mm-hmm. to people who aren't white or aren't part of the norm or don't view or practice the way others practice. I think that's yeah. something that's not talked enough about and that's what we want to tackle in this episode today. And that's, again, super big and super broad. And I want to preface by I did study theology in college. And so I know very limited on how to study this. I know people take lifetimes to talk about this. So I do not want to minimize it. I do not uh, want to seem like an expert because I'm not. I think Mm -hmm. with the two of us and maybe the catechism and the Vatican documents, papal documents, I probably have read them more than you have. But um, one of my personal things is that we should all read these documents like they're given to the world for us to read and understand. And so um, with your permission, Leocadia, because we are talking about faith, I'd like us to pray. Um, so if you, the listeners would like to join us, um, this is called the prayer to the Holy Spirit. Um, and I'll be leading and um, Leocadia is going to follow after me. Awesome. So, in the name of the Father, Father and of the Son, Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Come Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful. Come Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful. And kindle in them the fire of your love. And kindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your spirit and they shall be created. Send forth your spirit and they shall be created. And you shall renew the face of the earth. And you shall renew the face of the earth. Now this part, we're supposed to say it together, but because it'll just be really hard to do the audio, Leocadia, would you just say that prayer together by yourself? Yeah. Yeah. Lord, by the light of the Holy Spirit, you have taught the hearts of your faithful. In the same spirit, help us to relish what is right and always rejoice in your consolation. We ask this through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Thank you so much for doing that, Leocadia. Yeah, of Um, course. I think it's just, I think it's just important that like, we want to talk about this in, I don't want to say good light. We, we just, we just want to be, I think, careful we talk about because we are talking about the church and it's something that we value and respect and we practice. Um, So we want to do this in good faith, not in ill will. Um, And so for us, the prayer of the Holy Spirit, um, for those who know the prayer, or I guess for those who don't know the prayer, it's a prayer that you pray usually sometimes before you make a decision, before something happens. We believe that the Holy Spirit guides you and protects you and gives you wisdom and knowledge and gives you the strength to say what you need to say and how to say it. So because we're going to be talking about faith um, and our own personal experience, we just want like the Holy Spirit to guide us in this conversation because it's going to be a hard conversation. It's not going to be perfect and it's going to be flawed, but we just want to have the spirit on us. So yeah. Oh yeah. And um I'm not here to talk about theologically what the Holy Spirit is or who the Holy Spirit is, um, but really talking about kind of social justice and our experience within the church. So like kind of we've done before, maybe Leocadia, maybe you could share a story about kind of what's been your experience living in Kansas City. And then I'll share my experience um, going from a very ethnic parish to college life. So Yeah. So I guess for me, I think I'll just start off in general. Um, Growing up, I did grow, I have grown up in a very predominantly white 
sunny neighborhood schools. But what I will say is that the, so I went to Catholic school from ages from like kindergarten to freshman year of high school. And what I will say is that the school was very, very good about diversity. Yes, there's a lot of white people, but also there is a huge, like there's a lot of people from Latin America, Asia, Africa, different parts of the Caribbean, all these things. So like our school was very robust in culture. And so like culture and faith was something that was never a weird thing for me because for instance, like the Vietnamese kids, right. will like talk about how they like celebrate, like how they honor Mary and how they do their masses. And then the Africans like will come up and we're like, Oh, we do this whole like song and dance and how we do the gifts and everything. So the way Africans do mass, the way we do mass, let me tell you, it's a party. I always think mass is a, for me, mass is a gathering, a celebration. We're here to, we're here to eat. It's worship, right? yeah. It's worship. And so the way how I do, we do in our culture, it's a huge thing. It's always festive. It's beautiful. It's amazing. And so the beauty, I would say, growing up is I was always aware of different cultures and how they did mass. And so it was never a weird thing for me. I never felt othered growing up in terms of going to church because we had our huge, robust, diverse community. But I will say moving to Kansas City. So I mentioned previously that I moved to Kansas City two years ago. And Kansas City for me was like just a whole whirlwind of differences. One, it was the Midwest. Two, Kansas City is smaller than what I'm used to. Sorry to all the people who are from Kansas City. I'm sorry. You're not as big as Atlanta, okay, or D.C. So I'm just going to put that out there. But all that being said, uh, that's when I realized I think I think the way for me, I think going to church was very different. I think for the first time, really, I wasn't going to church in a very diverse setting. I think I'm going to say that I wasn't going to church in a very diverse setting. I was fortunate growing up in Atlanta and then eventually in Washington, D.C. There's a plethora of different kinds of people that I would see at church. And at least the churches that I go to in Kansas City, is not as diverse. So for me, that was like, okay, this is different. But for me, I'm like, the purpose of me going to church is going to church. It's not for the people. It's for Christ, the Eucharist. So like, that's fine. Um, But I think I really kind of started feeling a bit on the outs when I was trying to get very involved in the Catholic community in Kansas City. So I've mentioned we are part of a community called the Community of the Lamb. Great community in KCK. Um. And I feel very a part of that community because their mission is be involved with the poor and, and everything. And I love it so much. I go to their monastery like once or twice a week. So I love them a lot. But there's another Catholic community. Um, this, our community is just a smaller, but there's a big general Catholic community called City on the Hill. And it's for Catholic young adults in KC, which is great, right? To be able to meet with young adults who share the same faith as you. That's a very beautiful mission. Um, but every time that I would go to a city on the hill event, I would feel super othered. First of all, it was just a whole bunch of white people. And for me, that felt weird because I felt immediately that I didn't have a place where I belonged and I would attend events and it would just wouldn't feel right. I feel like people like wouldn't really like understand me I just felt 
Oh, no, I've always felt on the outs every time I was sitting on the hill. And there wasn't a lot of diversity. And for me, it's important to go to places where I see people that look like me. Representation Mm -hmm. is super, super duper important. Because when you have representation, you feel that you can participate and you can do things. And sitting on the hill, it really felt like these poshy, the way I describe it, this is going to be a shade, these like uppity white people who think that there are no other problems in the world and are just so concerned in their community and like mm-hmm. they're just oh it's only about us and we want to live our faith in this sort of way and do that and like that's not me I'm a black person I've lived abroad I've come from a poor family like yeah I it just felt like those uppity white people that think there's no other issues in the world and are just very bubble is very much in their bubble and, and, and it, I go ahead Mm-hmm. And I think for me, the thing that hit the most uh, that was like, I don't know if this is for me and I, or or I will say I want to see change is last summer. Uh, so I guess not this. OK, so summer of 2019 or 2020. No, summer 2020. OK, so summer 2020 is when the second wave of the Black Lives Matter movement was happening. So so many things were happening in our country, as you know, and. I didn't hear anything from Stay on the Hill. So like, as you probably remember, many people in different organizations were speaking up saying like, oh, I'm against racism and all these things. That's great. Some people may argue it's just a whole publicity thing. I personally liked it because at least you're showing that you're showing that you're on the right side. You're trying. And the one place that I wanted to hear it the most out of every single thing was from my Catholic church and particularly from city on the hill, which is a young adult Catholic community. And I heard nothing, nothing at all. And probably when I think about that summer, that's the saddest thing for me because it also then reminded me in general of, even though I mentioned I grew up in a diverse church growing up, people were scared to talk about race in those settings because I mm-hmm. think people are like, oh, we had to love. I think there's we're this all, idea like we're, we're no, all brothers we're and all sisters. Children of, we're all children of God. I love everybody. I'm not racist. I love everybody because they're all made in the image and likeness of God. Right. And it kind of reminds me of the, you know, when people say, Marley, you know, when people say like, oh, like I only see like, I don't see color. I only see like good people or, or whatever right for me that's the same tone and when people yeah you know my response when people say they don't see color my response is and I totally stole this from a friend of mine who's a public figure in Kansas City but when you don't see my color you don't see my contribution and you don't see my culture mm-hmm. exactly and from and for me that was in that moment that I felt I knew I want to see a lot of changes in the hill and for me it felt really outed because what I'm going to say about the Catholic Church it is a very beautiful church it is very diverse you got people from different cultures walks of life just like out here like in the church right it, it's it's so diverse but mm-hmm. when you don't see the church speaking when you see injustice happening and you don't see the church speaking up like if my people are being like slaughtered on the street like and I don't hear my church saying anything about it not even like we are with the black community we are with our black catholics I heard nothing of that yeah and I think what I did hear a lot of what I did hear a lot of was um the black lives matter movement 
um, is an anti, it's, it's an anti-life organization. Mm-hmm. It is not for, you know, these traditional families and traditional family values that we hold as Catholics to be the ideal. Right. Notice how I, notice how I said that, that we hold to be the ideal. I, I'm, I'm not living in my bubble and saying that people aren't living lives outside of what the church teaches. Nine times out of 10, like people are living outside of the teachings of the church. Um, And so that was my biggest thing was that I was having discussions with a lot of people who, unfortunately, I'm no longer friends with. Mm -hmm. And I think mm -hmm. because they were saying that the church doesn't have a race issue. Right. And I just want to put right now the church, there is a race issue in the church. I think we cover it up, one, because we're like, oh, we're all, ch- we're all children of God. We're all the same. We're all children of God. Yes, that is true. But we're all different. And those differences, as you mentioned, should be celebrated. Our mm-hmm. contributions are important. What makes the church really cool is that there are different ways to worship like God and mm-hmm. worship in the Catholic church. And it is all beautiful. And something that I, after that summer, and something that I want to mention, I'm going to drop in a book called The Color of Compromise by J.M.R. Mm. Tisby. Um, gosh, he's a, he has a PhD. Um, he talks about race in the church and how the church throughout the years, pretty much since he goes back from like slavery to like modern day, I think like 2020 or 2020. Yeah. Um, yeah. And he talks about how the role the church has played in talking about race. Granted, I want to say a caveat, not a caveat. What I want to say is that the book mostly talks about the Protestant church, but right. I strongly always recommend that to my Catholic peers, especially to my Catholic peers who are white, because the Catholic church in America is very different than other churches in the world because it's very influenced by Protestantism in the u.s so and yes we worship differently than like our protestant peers but the way we view and see things and like align are very similar just culturally right so culturally because of the way that our country was founded right and i think that a lot of and we have to see that when we talk about racism in the catholic church and Mm -hmm. racism in the united states we have to see that with the lens of culture first and the american culture whether, whether we want to believe it or not, surpasses any other culture that we have in, in the United States, whether that's religion or whether that's your country of origin or your culture of origin. American mm-hmm. culture is going to seep in to, to these issues that we see. Right, exactly. And so the church, just in, the, the church, the book in summary, really talks about the history of the church and race and how really the overall thing that I took away is that the church has always not said anything. It's never wanted to be like too political, although politics are good in the church, let's not kid ourselves, but they always just want to like stay back. And there's always the idea is like, if we don't say anything, the problem will fix itself because the goal, the, the goal of the church is to save souls, right? So mm-hmm. as long as your soul is on the way to heaven, you are good. And what I say about that, so yeah. that's, that's what the book kind of that's what the book kind of talks about. And like the goal of the church is to save souls. Right. So like anything outside of that, not that doesn't matter, but it's not what's going to be prominent. But what I say about that is like, yes, save souls, but you need to like 
have these conversations with people, like things won't fix themselves. It's like prayer and action. I think the book talks about how the church has not done a lot of action, but has done a lot of like prayer in its own way. The idea of like, oh, save souls. If you save souls and pray, things will fix itself. But Mm -hmm. with prayer, you need to have action. And the church hasn't done well with action. And so... So good. I kind of, I were like kind of here. I think that you're right. Like the church, mm-hmm. but the thing is like the church does call us to action. Right. And I think that right. um, we have a plethora of documents, right. And people, um, I think that's one of the biggest, I guess, um, critiques that we have from Protestant brothers and sisters is that we, you know, we read the Bible obviously, but we also have the catechism of the Catholic church. And then we also have these beautiful letters and we have beautiful exhortations from the popes. And one of the biggest things that um, is kind of a big divide in the church right now is um, this idea, this is not the idea, but um, the some of the decisions that were taken by the second Vatican council in, 1950, in, in 1965, 62, um, the council started in 1962. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've got a couple of things that I wanted to cite. Mm-hmm. So one of the documents talks about, like one of the biggest things that happened was that people were able to worship in their own language. So before the 60s, mass was only in Latin. Hmm. So when our grandparents were going to church, they couldn't understand mass in the language that was their own. Mm-hmm. And one of the biggest things that I, I kind of enjoy, you were talking about this as going to mass in other countries. And um, it's really interesting because I've had the the chance to experience mass in Rwanda, which is an African country. And earlier this week, we were talking about how like, you haven't had a chance to experience mass in an African country yet. Mm But um, so I was thinking about the people of God. And I was thinking about this um, apostolic letter. Um, is that ex- okay, so it's not, it's not, um, it's a constitution. So the document is called Lumen Gentium. And the second chapter talks about the people of God. Mm-hmm. And this is the beginning of the second pair, the second uh, chapter. This is paragraph nine of the document. At all times and in every race, God has given welcome to whomever fears him and does what is right. Mm-hmm. God, however, does not make men holy and save them, but me- merely as individuals without bond or link between one another. Rather, he is pleased to bring them together as one people and and a people which acknowledges him as truth and serves and serves him in holiness. So it's, and then he talks about the chosen people of Israel, right? And continues on. But that is what gives me, um, in Spanish, you would say coraje or like um, strength, strength, fervor, like gives me like this, mm-hmm. it's more than just strength. It's this like passion, this like, this like desire for righteousness mm-hmm. um, within making sure that people aren't other than the church. Like there's, like literally we have documents in the church that tell us like everyone mm-hmm. should have access to this. And 
the exhortations of the Vatican Council gave it to us so that we can worship in our own language within our own culture, which in a way that is familiar to us. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And this is something that was hard for me. Um, One of our friends, Tyler, shout out to Tyler. Tyler. Um, He, um, I was really struggling with the fact that Catholicism was used to oppress indigenous people. It was used to, you know, fear people into submission. And this is something that really, I really, really struggle with. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously one word of consolation that he gave, he's like, well, I don't have the, the church of the 16th century. I have the church of the 21st century. And this is the church that has been given me. Mm-hmm. So like how... How do we fight the good fight and help people who are brothers and sisters realize like racism exists, you're othering me, and there needs to be compromise. And what you're saying, what you're saying and what you're acting is directly opposed to the teachings of the Catholic Church. Right. And I think something you said that was interesting is it's true. The church has, the Catholic church has like a whole like section on like social justice teaching, which is beautiful and like robust. And I, but the thing is that like, the thing is that I never really knew that was a thing until like probably my last year of college, post-college. Actually, probably come to Kansas City really is when I fully realized, oh, the church has a whole teaching on social justice and like how we need to like love others and accept our differences and that the church is beautiful and diverse. And my thing is that like the church has that, but I feel the people, right? So when I talk about the church for me, there's the church and then there's the people, like our everyday people, the laymen, laymen. The, uh-huh. so the people are the church, right? So I'm going to adjust my glasses here and help the us. The theologian here. <laughs> so there's the church, which is the people, the body of mm-hmm. Christ. Mm-hmm. And then there's the magisterium, which is like the teachings of the church. Um, mm-hmm. There's a really good way to, to understand it. And like, so we are the church. And it's not mm-hmm. just like the building, but it's the people who, who make up the body of Christ. Is right. that a good way to explain it? Yeah, that's a, that's a perfect way to explain it. And so <laughs> my problem is like not the magisterium, right? The teachings, it's the people, the people who make up the body of Christ is the people I have an issue with because going back to social justice teaching, right? That's part of the church. That is beautiful. But we, the people, the body of Christ have not like talked about that enough, at least in Mm -hmm. America. That's what I'm going to say. We have not talked about that enough. That has been, I feel like put into the side and like, now I'm not not saying that not a lot of people know about that. It's just not in practice. And I don't like visibly see it. And like, I I think that what I, what I have noticed is that, um, unfortunately race has become so politicized in the United States that people don't realize that as Catholics, we have a responsibility to Catholic social teaching and the seven themes of Catholic social teaching. I'll just rattle them off right now. This is from research guides and education. Um, 
and it says one is life and the dignity of the human person Mm -hmm. so from conception to natural death Mm -hmm. and everything in between Um, I have a dear friend of ours Amy and we talk about Catholic social teaching a lot and this is one that like grinds our gears like a lot Mm -hmm. from Mm -hmm. life and the dignity of the human person so like Mm -hmm. access to good wages access to good healthy water clean water resources um, and what access looks like mm-hmm. two a call to family community and participation so basically creating a space for belonging um, what that looks like rights and responsibilities number three um, so what are our rights and how do we defend those who don't have rights or mm-hmm. our social responsibility mm-hmm uh, four is preferential option for the poor and vulnerable mm-hmm. and what who is poor and who is vulnerable changes from country to country and even from town to town mm-hmm. so the dignity of work and the rights of workers solidarity and care for God's creation and one of this one for care for God's creation I remember in college I went to a focus um something or other where we mm-hmm. rallied around our Catholic huddles and talked about how great we were because we were Catholic. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a really good teaching on um, recycling. Mm-hmm. And you're thinking like recycling, like that's weird. And it's like <clears throat> remembering that Christ, if we believe that Jesus, right? We're still in the season of Christmas as we're recording this. Mm-hmm. Jesus, born in the manger, came to save all of creation. And that means we have to recycle and take care of this planet because it's all of creation, not just we have to take care of like the responsibility for fossil fuels and fossil consumptions. And mm-hmm. we're going on a totally different tangent, but... Right. And something that... I kind of want to mention, um, and I'm going to challenge this, especially to our Catholic viewers, the term pro-life. I'm just going to, I'm just going to say that because mm-hmm. as Catholics, and I think we're so stuck on the one issue of like, let's say like abortion, for instance, right? Um, but what does pro-life mean? Racism is a pro-life issue. Thank you. Thank you. We believe is from conception to natural death, right? Pro-life means holding up dignity for every single person, right? Mm-hmm. So we're going to talk about the environment, right? Talking about recycling, that's a pro-life issue. We're going to talk about racism, right? That's a pro-life issue. We're going to talk about access to healthcare, right? Access to voting rights, access to all those things. That let, Let's expand what pro-life, because I we get so stuck on this one issue. Like some people agree, some people don't. But like we as like Christians and the Catholic is stuck on this issue so much that we have forgotten what pro-life actually means. And the social justice teaching that you've like mentioned, explained to us, Marilena, is a pro-life thing. It talks about every avenue of every avenue from where you walk on the street to how you eat to if you recycle to 
all of those things. So I just want to challenge particularly the people who are Catholic or listening. Let's expand what pro-life means, okay? Because that's what we get stuck on so much. And that's not good. And like some people argue, oh, you're being so liberal and all those things. Am I being liberal? Am I being liberal? Or am I just trying to follow Catholic social justice teaching? And and I think that that is what kind of gets me every time. Mm-hmm. is um is that i i'm 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 very aware that i have spent the time to learn what the church teaches outside of just going to church on sunday mm-hmm. and i do think that a lot of people who have heard us in the church whether they've done it intentionally or unintentionally um do try to learn to learn these things but I don't think that they necessarily see it from a lens of race. I don't think they necessarily see it from a lens of culture. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think that that is, that is the big issue when we're looking at um, how race affects our ability to worship and having a space for belonging within the church. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. remember when I was growing up, I was in a very... Um, predominant Puerto Rican church right Mm -hmm. and so we I mean mass on Sunday you like walked in you didn't know if you were coming into a party or if you were going into you know like we had cuatros we had maracas we had um guidos for mass right Mm -hmm. like we would clap our hands Mm -hmm. and we would um you know do a little sidestep like we Mm -hmm. were Praising Jesus. Uh-huh. It, it's a part. It's a part <coughs> as it should be. As it should be. And then when I went to college, and I went to mass, um, not English mass for the first time, but for the first time that I was consistently going to mass, mm-hmm. I was, you know, like, very shocked to see that my culture obviously my culture was stripped away. Like I wasn't home, but I was made Mm -hmm. to believe that playing those instruments was quote unquote bad, Mm -hmm. right? That there was no Mm -hmm. space for those instruments in mass. Um, And there's a big group of people who believe that we should quote whitewash Mm -hmm. um, the mass. And the Second Vatican Council is very clear in letting us not only worship in a language that is our own, but also worship in a way that has dignity, right? Is still very respectful of the most holy sacrament of the Eucharist, but is also mm-hmm. culturally appropriate, right? And right. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to Mass in Puerto Rico for the first time in a long time that I went to a Latino mass with like guitars and cuatros and like I was like Mm. man I missed this and when did I learn that this was bad right Right? so like when people Mm. are telling me that we need to strip away those instruments and that we need to make sure that the mass is yes the mass needs to be reverent but the mass does not need to be in Latin to be reverent right right I've been to masses where you know the priest 
barely spoke a homily and it was very reverent mass. It was very Mm -hmm. well done, you know? And so um, I see that in the church and walking through those things and being stripped of those, those spaces is like, where is my space? You know, like, where do I fit in in all of these things? And for me, it's really hard to see, like you said, Catholic social teaching kind of like being this idea of like, do not look at the man behind the curtain. Right, right. And I think something I want to mention that it just reminded me um, when talking about the Blessed Virgin Mary, who, if you don't know, is the Mary mother of Jesus, we call her the Blessed Virgin, um, and she has apparitions. So apparitions means that she will apparitions. Appear, a, appar- is it apparitions? Is it pronounced apparitions? Apparitions. Appar- oh my gosh, apparitions. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. Apparitions. Apparitions. Um, when she has apparitions, which if you don't know what that means, it means that she'll go somewhere and she'll appear to to people, right? And she can appear anywhere. Um, she'll appear in like different countries, right? And like what's cool about the church is that like every time, or cool about Mary, I should say, is whenever she appears somewhere, usually she'll appear as like what the people look like, mm-hmm. you know? She'll appear based on their like culture. I think the most famous one people know is like Our Lady of Guadalupe, she appeared as an Aztec princess to Quan. Yeah, she did. And what I really, what I love about that story and what I love about the different apparitions of Mary when she goes in other places in the world um, is that she'll appear how the people are. And in the story of Arlea Guadalupe, if you don't know, um, the Spanish came, also we're colonizing, we're forcing all of the natives to be Catholic and, uh, Juan Diego, who is the person that Mary appeared to, like, was was Catholic. He's a saint. Um, and Mary appeared to him looking like him, right? Mm-hmm. She was, like, dark skin. She was an Aztec princess. Like, her veil is – she's dressed as the sun, the moon. Like, yeah. she is dressed how culturally, like, people of royalty – or people who are high up are. And what's beautiful is like, she came looking like him. And she did that to show that like, hey, I am real. And what, this is all real. I am real. This is real. Jesus is real. But she appeared to him as he is and how the people are to go on their level and to be like, I am like you. Like we, like we're together. And there's many different stories, right? There's Our Lady of Kibeho, Mary has appeared (gasps) in Asia. I think in Vienna, she has appeared in so many different places and she's Mm -hmm. appeared how the people have looked like. So it's not just that white figure of Mary or that whitewashed Jesus or whatever, right? They come as they are to you. And so it makes because me Because the sad. gospel is free and because the gospel is for everyone and because Jesus is for everyone. Right. So it makes me really sad when I hear about these things of like, oh, you feel other because the way you worship is different because of your culture or race or how, or how you live life in your Catholic faith, especially if talking about culture or race, because the church has a robust history of culture and people who are different coming together to worship Christ and the Eucharist. And we have, once I get, once I, as we mentioned, social Catholic social justice teaching, but 
the people, the people who make up the body of Christ, there's a lot of people who don't recognize that or refuse to recognize that or who just who ignore that. And I think that's the most disheartening part because what I try to tell people is the Catholic Church is so full and beautiful of many people, but there's a lot of people in the church who feel othered and feel out because there are people who think you need to look a certain way, dress a certain way, worship a certain way, speak a certain way, right? And like, I don't know, we live in a world with 7 billion people. You think we're all going to do the same exact thing? No, we are not going to do the same exact thing because we can't. We're seven different billion people in the world who live in different lives and cultures and whatnot. And so it makes me sad when I don't see the church speak up on things like that or they feel like they or people feel othered because that's not how the church is supposed to be. Yeah. So it's so funny that you mentioned Our Lady, um, just the Blessed Virgin Mary, because mm-hmm. when I was a Catholic missionary, mm-hmm. one of the talks that I, I still have it, um, mm. is a talk called only one mother and talking mm-hmm. about the differences of how like you can see yourself in the blessed virgin mary and you can see yourself bringing culture to you um in order that you might be able to worship and know the church better the magisterium mm-hmm. and jesus because ultimately like the blessed virgin mary always points us back to jesus her son because he's he's the reason for <clears throat> for everything right mm-hmm. and we believe as catholics and so um <coughs> I think that we scratched, excuse me. I think that we scratched the surface on a couple of different things today. I know. <laughs> uh, and Catholic social teaching is definitely something that has been more relevant um, as of late. Um, and Pope Francis, he's very controversial again. And I think he's controversial because he's talking about these hard truths that people don't want to hear. He is. Look, I love, look, I love, I'm going to say this right now. I love Pope Francis. When he came on, I was like, I, I was like, this is gonna be something. And then he started talking, and I and I'm gonna say this: people got really upset when Pope Francis started opening his mouth and talking. And it's one of those things where uh, I'm not trying to bring like politics into it, but in talking about like being liberal or conservative, I think a lot of people felt like, oh, he's like so liberal. He's a socialist. He's doing all these things. And like I said earlier. Is he being a liberal or a socialist or is he just following Catholic social justice teaching? Because if you actually look at what the Catholic Church teaches in social justice teaching, that we're supposed to be doing that. Okay, it, yeah. it may sound liberal, it may sound socialist. I mean, you you take it as you sound like, but like it's in the teaching. So when people yeah. got upset, I was like, let's go let, let's all go back and read. Let's all take yeah. the book and read it just for like five minutes because like so, he's not saying anything new. He's not saying anything like, you know, he's saying what's in the church. Yeah. So I think that this gives us a lot of food for thought. And I think that we're continuing to scratch surface on things that we're still even trying to unpack. Um, but I'd like to leave you guys with this quote from Evangelion Gautam, which mm-hmm. is a apostolic letter, which is different from an um uh exhortation um there's just a lot of terminology that i know is unfamiliar to people even within the church so this is a letter apostolic letter that um pope francis wrote to it's to the world but mostly to catholics Mm -hmm. an authentic faith which is never comfortable or completely personal 
always involves a deep desire to change the world, to transmit values, to leave this earth somehow better than we found it. Pope Francis. So one more time for the people in the back. An authentic faith, which is never comfortable or completely personal, always involves a deep desire to change the world, to transmit values, to leave this earth somehow better than we found it. That's it. That's it. And I think ultimately that sums up our desire for having a place in the church, for asking our brothers and sisters to say like, where are you on these race issues? Where are you on these Black Lives Matter issues? Where are you when we're finding hundreds of bodies of little children um, that were taken to these schools to relearn American culture and taken from indigenous families? Like, where are we on that? No, we're not doing that anymore. No, we're, we're not selling slaves anymore. But when are we going to acknowledge the part that we had in those things, horrible, awful things that we had? Mm -hmm. So how are we leaving this world a little bit better than we found it? Honestly, got nothing to say. <laughs> <laughs> and I just, just like, I could maybe have something to say. I guess just Shocker. challenge everyone. <laughs> just... I want to challenge everyone listening to this episode, whether you're a person of faith or not, how are you going to leave, like Marlena said, how are you going to leave this world a better place than how you found it? How are you going to stand up for those who are vulnerable in you? How are you going to stand for the rights of everybody? And particularly, I do really want to challenge my Catholic peers, especially how are you living your life in according to the teachings of the church? Right. And it's more robust than sometimes the single minded issues that we have or whatever. It's very beautiful. It's very diverse. And I recommend going back and reading some of the works of what Pope Francis has said and reading back on Catholic social justice teaching, because there's a lot that we can learn from it. And once again, the church is beautiful and diverse. So I just want to challenge yourself on how you view the church. If you got some biases, Educate yourself. There's a lot of resources out there. Alrighty. Well, with oh that said, gosh. my name is Marilena Mariquin. And I'm Leah Kudiachwafe. And you're listening to Honor Element. Alrighty, friends. Take care. Bye, y'all. And remember, come as you are. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um... <laughs> I did. I have such a foggy brain today. Stay hydrated, awesome. take your vitamins, and be kind. Bye.